Hi, this is Ruth Friedman, and I serve as the Maharat at Ohev Shalom, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. And so this week we read the third Parsha of Devarim, Parshat Egev. And as we've discussed already in both previous episodes of Devarim, Devarim is Moshe's last opportunity to turn to the people and to try to impart some kind of wisdom on them, but not just wisdom, also to implore them to convince them to please just follow God once they enter the land and he won't be there anymore to help guide it along. Just to please not mess it up. Just make sure you follow God because if not, God is going to punish you and God's going to destroy you and this whole thing is going to fall apart. And as we've discussed, he uses different strategies to try to communicate this to them. And today, in this week's Parsha, we see one particular strategy that he uses. And what I'm going to argue, I want to classify this as he is portraying success, their future success, as that of being a meritocracy. In other words, if you do the right thing, you will be rewarded for your efforts. And we see that in the opening line of the Parsha. And also in the conclusion, the concluding psukim, and also throughout. Moshe opens, If you obey these rules and observe them carefully, God will maintain the covenant God made with your forefathers. It sounds so easy. Just do what you have to do, do the right thing, and everything is going to be completely fine. Now, what I wanted to do today is to consider this approach, but not this approach from the perspective of Moshe speaking to the Israelites this week, but this approach and how it affects human psychology. And I want to do that first from looking at uh, something I actually spoke about a few years ago at OHAVE, but I think is a, was a very important study that I want to address. And then also I want to connect it to certain current events that are happening right now in American society. So first, what is the benefit of teaching children that we live in a meritocratic society. Now, remember, even though the Israelites, of course, and Moshe is speaking to are literal adults, on the trajectory of their becoming a people, of their living out the fulfillment of their destiny, which is to enter the lands of Israel and become an autonomous people worshiping God in Jerusalem, right now, they're children. Okay, they've made it through 40 years in the desert, but they haven't actually entered adulthood yet, so to speak. They haven't even entered the land of Israel. They're in that point where they're still young enough, impressionable enough, as it were, that Moshe is trying to say, here's all these things that you're going to do when you, you know, reach adulthood, so to speak. And here, remember how to live through the world. And so I think it's an important strategy for him to communicate to them that, yeah, if you do the right thing, God is going to reward you. He doesn't even get into the curses here of if you do the wrong thing, here are all the terrible things that are going to happen. He's just trying to convey to them, please just listen to God. Listen, if you listen to God, do the right thing, keep the mitzvot, it's all going to work out. And I think that in many ways, that's how we teach our children today. I mean, I certainly teach my children that if you clean up your toys, you will get, then you can have dessert or you know, if you, I don't know, do, don't hit your brother, then we can go do X, Y, Z. We try to teach them that there is some level of order 
to the world around them and that good behavior will be rewarded by with success with reward that good things happen if you will do the right thing now i think that this is actually an important way to teach children because if you don't teach children that way then they grow up thinking that the world is total chaos and then there isn't really any reason to do anything in life because if it's not if you don't know if the world's going to be fair or not if good work will be rewarded why even bother and so what i wanted to do today is to look at how this affects children but not children in young life but really how it affects people as they mature and become adults and i wanted to do that by addressing a study that i read about in the atlantic four years ago and it was a study that looked at middle school children in who are mostly of color in impoverished communities in somewhere in arizona and what researchers did was they pulled these middle school children three times throughout their time in middle school once every grade and they asked them questions about reward about whether they thought that good work is rewarded and that if you believe if they believe that the world is essentially a fair place and if you do the right thing you will succeed in society they called this system justification now when they looked at the results it see it, it shouldn't be too surprising but it's very disturbing what they found what they found is that students who were pulled in the beginning of sixth grade and who said that, yes, they believe in system justification. They believe that in America, people who succeed do so because they work hard. Those students also had high self-esteem and a low incidence of risky behavior. They didn't engage in the behaviors indicative of someone who is struggling with the world. They engaged in the types of behaviors indicative of someone who believes that they are on a path to success and that as long as they put in their part, society will reward them for their efforts. Now remember, these are poor students below the poverty line in some cases officially, which is extreme poverty. And the vast majority of them were students of color. And we know that American society is not a meritocracy for people in those categories, that we have individual racism, we have systemic racism, we have major issues with poverty in this country. And so, as I said, it shouldn't surprise us, but it's still really devastating to see that the trajectory for the children in that group reversed itself by the end of seventh grade. Those kids who in the beginning of sixth grade thought that good behavior would be rewarded and hard work would be rewarded and they had high self-esteem and they didn't act out, by the end of seventh grade, those were the kids who were most likely to be acting out, to have low self-esteem. They did a complete reversal in, let's say, a year and a half, from the beginning of sixth grade to the end of seventh grade. And what the lead researcher really posited is that this wasn't just, oh, kids go through puberty at that age and, you know, you can't really account for all of the behavioral changes. But what he posited is, well, there's something more going on here because the shifts, they weren't consistent across all the kids. It was really the kids who believed in system justification specifically who then had the worst outcomes and so what the researchers suggested is that what happened is you took kids who at the beginning of sixth grade were still somewhat naive to the realities of the world that they were going to encounter and that over the next couple of years as they transitioned to adulthood they started to realize hey the world i'm living in discriminates against me 
is not fair. It doesn't matter how hard I work. Most of my peers are not going to be able to pull themselves out of the effects of systemic racism, out of poverty, that the world actually isn't a fair place. Hard work isn't simply just rewarded like the way that Moshe tells us that it is. And that had devastating impact on their psychology and their sense of self. And that's really when it fell apart and they started to act out more and they had much lower self-esteem. And so what this is a, a very sad outcome and one that I think that we have to take into consideration when we're studying Moshe's approach in this week's Parsha. Because we see that, yes, in the beginning of childhood and early on, it's important to teach children that the world is a fair place because it gives them some sense of order. It makes them believe that, yeah, if they work hard, it's going to work out okay. And that's what elevates them. That's what makes them feel confident, as we see with those early sixth graders. But that as we proceed through adulthood, we enter adulthood, we begin to see the ugly realities of the world. Then we start to see, oh, actually, the world's a lot more complicated than that. And if we don't offer an alternative way of understanding the challenges that these kids, as they transition to adulthood, are going to face, then their whole sense of the world and their sense of self is going to fall apart. Now, I'm not here to criticize Moshe. I actually think that this is an amazing point when you're thinking about this week's Parsha. As we said, the Israelites, they're, they're in the beginning still of their journey. You can say that they're still children in their journey. They haven't even transitioned to adulthood, so to speak, the adulthood of their people being entering the land of Israel and having that sense of autonomy. So this is an important time for Moshe to say to them, if you work hard, it's going to be rewarded. That's what they need to hear at this point. But what happens when they get to the land of Israel and they realize, hmm, we're going to be attacked at all different times. We're going to be attacked by Assyria. We're going to be attacked by the Aram. We're going to, as you transition through Jewish history, you see more and more and more and more and more bad things happen to the Jewish people that can't always be attributed to, oh, well, we deserved it. Because oftentimes we were doing the right thing and we still, the world was in a fair place. We weren't rewarded by good things. And so I think there are, that can create, for some people at least, a bit of a religious crisis. Because what you see play out is not what Moshe promised you. It's not what God promised you. You see that, no, sometimes things are going to happen to me, to our people, even if we're going to do the right thing. And so I think that Parshat Ekev has to be read in partnership with books like Echa, like Lamentations, which are comfortable at times even speaking angrily to God and engaging with a world that is not fair. And certainly there are many rabbinic texts as well of people challenging God on this, of saying, no, this isn't a fair world that we're living in. We did the right thing. We have innocent people who have been destroyed. And I think that both of those narratives are really essential in order to develop the proper sense of peoplehood and of what makes us who we are. If we all believed, God forbid, that the Holocaust happened because all the Jews were sinning and therefore we deserve to be destroyed, 
I think our sense of peoplehood would be would be pretty weak. Our sense of meaning, our sense of purpose would be pretty weak. Because it just means anytime anyone is doing the wrong thing, you could just look at them and say, well, I don't care what happens to them, they deserve it. It, it, it. We have to believe that the world is a more complicated place in order to have that full sense of self. And I think that it's our responsibility to not just have the narrative of Ikev without partnering it with that later, that more mature adult approach as well. Because if we only provide the Ikev approach, just like these children in the study only receive that Ikev approach, well then you, there, we really have, we encounter tremendous risks later that our whole sense of peoplehood, our sense of belief in God, of spiritual health can fall apart very, very quickly. Now, I said also that I wanted to connect this to current events, and I just wanted to, to speak for a word, um, for a moment, about more negative impacts that teaching a meritocracy, teaching that if you do the right thing, you will be rewarded, can have on people. And here specifically, not just on adults, but also um, on children as well. And I think that that's a, this is a narrative that we see commonly, it's a common, frequent narrative um, with victims of abuse, whether it's physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, that a lot of the times the reason or part of what makes the struggle with abuse so awful for the victim and what enables it to continue is that they believe that if something is happening to them, it must be because they deserved it. And that a tactic that abusers often use is saying, well, you know, I'm going to do this horrible thing to you because you, you did a bad thing. You burnt the dinner. You insulted me. You did whatever. And so the attack is not just that moment of actually the abusive attack, but it's also the internalization that this person did something wrong to deserve it even though of course we know that they did not. And what we saw this week when Simone Biles withdrew from the Olympic gymnastic competitions, I think was really, we, we, even though we didn't, certainly not everybody realized that we, we got an insight for a moment into the world of abuse. And one of the things we know about abusers is that they strip the person they're abusing of their own sense of self and of their agency. So much of abuse is about control. And tragically, horrifically, Simone Biles encountered abuse from her from the system, from her coaches, from the doctor, under multiple circumstances. And that she's the one who fought back. And some people saw her withdrawing from the Olympics at the last minute due to mental health reasons as a weakness, as saying, oh, well, she's letting other people down. How could she do that? She is doing something weak. She's doing something wrong. But there are so many problems with that approach. First of all, it further tells the victim of abuse hey, this is you, whatever has happening is your fault. You need to power through, you need to persevere through everything. But also, more I think in some ways, more importantly, it fails to recognize that the most empowering thing a victim, a survivor, I know there's, there's 
disagreements over what term to use, but the most important power empowered healing thing they can do is take the agency over themselves to withdraw from that system, to rise above it and say, you know what? I don't need to continue to engage in purely selfless behavior of putting everyone else's needs before my own, even to the point where I might risk personal injury from getting the twisties and, and falling wrong, et cetera. That, that, that's what you've been taught all along when, you're, when you've been abused. And that the most empowering thing you can do is say no. I need to put myself first in this moment. I need to break this cycle. Now, returning to Akev, that is exactly what our rabbis and our later books of the Torah, of the Bible, of the Navi and Ketuvim have done for us. They have taken the model of Akev, of the meritocracy, and said, okay, that was appropriate approach sometimes, but we also are going to offer counter narratives as well. And I think that that is, is in some ways exactly what Simone Biles did this week. She stood up and said, no, enough. I don't have to do this. And I think in doing so, not only did she pave the way for her own future health, but she also paved the way for other people to stand up and say, no, this is enough. And what you really do with that is you break a toxic cycle that puts you down and teaches you that you are wrong and you deserve everything that has happened to you, even when you do not. Shabbat Shalom.